The first edition of the 2022 NFL Draft is officially complete for Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus. There was certainly a hell of a lot of things going on. Left and right, there were people like myself that were getting annoyed on day three because this team would just constantly trade down. Sam and Joe were hanging out and about over the weekend. Bears Twitter was set on fire two times on Friday night, I believe. But what's up, guys? Welcome into the Fireside Bears podcast brought to you by Empire Sports Media. You know me, the host, Usain Coach. You can follow me on Twitter at Usain Social. I got Sam Stevenson and Joe Herf in the house tonight. As always, you can follow them on Twitter at Joseph Herf NFL and at Shy Sports Sam. I'm pretty sure the theme for this week was black t-shirts because that's what Sam and I are wearing. You can check us out on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Fireside Bears. Before we get into all the action, it's the one-year anniversary today, Sam, of us rebranding from the barely hibernating podcast to fireside bears and joining empire sports media obviously we bought joe on some point in like august i think i don't even know so he's a late bloomer right but the point is is that i just want to reach out and say thank you y'all for your support obviously you know max and i discussed this on youtube year one as matt eberflew says is all about building the foundation year two is all about just continuing to move forward and then build a championship caliber brand that just makes you a better bears fan that's i'm pretty sure our unofficial tagline here at fireside bears making you a smarter bears fan but how we doing today gentlemen I'm good. Uh, it's crazy. The thing about the show is, is as old as it is, it, it, it time flies when you're having fun. I know that is a bit of a cheesy saying, but I think there is some truth in that. Um, yeah, I mean, I will always love and miss the barely hibernating name, but otherwise, it's been it's been uh, it's been a great transition uh, into Empire Sports Media, uh, and the growth of the show has been awesome. Uh, so I, again, I know you said, I already said it, but I appreciate everyone who does listen to the show and checks it out, leaves some comments, lets us know how we're doing. Cause it does truly help a lot. Um, cause I, I truly really enjoy my Tuesday night recordings and Wednesday night listening, uh, this show, but, uh, I'm, I'm good. I'm graduating in a few days. I'm going to be an adult and, uh, uh, it's, it's exciting times right now, uh, cross teams in the playoffs. So that's also fun. It's all I'll merge in as one thing right now. I'm getting ready to be an adult in a few days, but uh, life is good, and I'm I'm ready to talk a lot today because I think we're going to talk a lot about Bears because there's a lot to talk about. Yeah, it's funny you guys brought up. Uh, <clears throat> not sure when I joined because somebody asked me the other day, like, "Yeah, hey, how long you been?" Because I it got brought up. Like, I was like, "Yeah, I, I do a podcast." Like, only been doing it for. I'm like, you know, that's a really good question. I have no idea. Like, it feels like it's been like a month. Like, I feel like this just feels so like, it, it, like I said, time has flown by. It feels like we've been doing this for very long, but it's been a, it's been a fun, let's say six months. It's it just a random number out there, but um, yeah, it's great to be part of this team and yeah, things are going well here too. I just inhaled my dinner as Sam was doing his little, uh, little spiel there. So ready to go, ready to finally have something relevant to talk about with new players on the bears. Yeah, I think Sam, I believe Joe's been here for like almost eight to nine months at this point i think your one year anniversary is coming up in august so that's going to definitely be cool but i just have to say you know barely hibernating was obviously a great name but just you know we want to give one last shout out to alex wilson just for providing us with this platform and then all the graphics and stuff that you guys see you know i can't say enough about how max helps me with youtube carving out times each week at least one or two hours each week just on youtube between recording uploading stuff you know i can't say enough 
just about how Sam and Joe put in work and how instrumental they are. I can't say enough about our graphic designer, Danny, and just the work that he puts in behind the scenes because I could text him at 6 a.m. Central Time and then all of a sudden by 4 p.m. Central Time, I'll have a design ready to go, you know? So there's just so much work that goes into all this that isn't even counting the hours and stuff that I put in. But getting right into it, guys, I mean... You know, the NFL draft went on. The Bears had 11 picks. It was their most amount of picks that the franchise has had since 2008, which is when Jerry Angelo was a GM. So you're going back basically three to four GMs at this point. But I think the important question has to be asked. And, Joe, I'm going to kick the can to you on this one. But what were your general impressions of the Paul Zebraflus draft, you know, their first go-around? Yeah, so to kind of start, it seems like they had an agenda and that agenda was let's get ourselves some athletes. And it wasn't just on one side of the ball, it was on both sides of the ball. And when you were looking at every player the Bears selected, they had you, – you could pull up their, R, their relative athletic score uh, provided by uh, Ken Lee Plant, I believe his name is. He awesome stuff on Twitter. If you, if you aren't familiar with him, definitely recommend checking him out. Uh, short for RAS. Uh, but his every single player they drafted was a high score except for, I think, two. And the two that weren't quote unquote super high were one was Velas Jones, who still was pretty high above average, like a 7.1. And the other one was, I believe, I want to say, um, Tristan Ebner, the running back we selected later. And he's still, in general, is a very fast, he's just pre- pretty big and not super agile in terms of his testing scores. But on the field, he looked a lot better. But you can obviously kind of tell that that was kind of what they're pushing for. Um, they knew going in that they weren't going to reach for the positions that were the biggest need. They wanted to draft best player available while keeping in mind what the biggest needs were. Again, the, there were better players available probably at 39 and 48, but obviously corner and safety were two major needs, and both those guys falling there were incredible for us. Kyler Gordon, in my opinion, should have been a first-round pick. Jaquan Brisker should have been as well, if not a very early second-round pick both studs so you could tell if they like kept in the back of their mind we have to okay we have to address these positions but we can't hesitate on a player because of it i would just like to say before i give my input uh input because i think joe brings up a lot of really good points especially with the scores um i am two for two on predicting the bears first overall pick in their drafts justin fields uh kyler gordon so if there's a player that you want the bears to draft less next year first overall if their first overall pick let me know yes um (laughs) yeah i think that's i guess the general consensus um I don't really have too much else to add um polls kept to his board and i can respect that um i think again you kind of alluded to a little bit, Joe, but it was a good combination of going best player available while also addressing positional needs and depth. I mean, Bears fans complain about not having offensive linemen. Well, Ryan Poles brought in four rookie offensive linemen in this draft class, um, so not really much else you can do with a complaint there. Um, we'll see if this plan and this his board pays off. Um, I, I think something we have to understand is just because a GM has a plan doesn't necessarily mean it's the right or wrong plan. This entire draft class could be amazing. We could have 11 starters. We could have four starters out of this draft class. You you never know. This draft class could be terrible, and none of these guys will be able to contribute. There's just, there's no true way of telling what exactly is going to happen. And again, 
I liked that we got more picks. I like that it's a large rookie draft class. Again, there's a lot of depth at positionals that positions that needed depth, offensive line, the secondary. I, I, I mean, I loved Kyler Gordon as an option at 39. Um, we'll talk more about kind of other you know guys later on in the show, but overall. Pulse kept to his guns, and, and I can respect that. Now let's get to training camp and see which guys are going to be able to contribute right away. Yeah, I think just my biggest takeaway when looking at this entire class from start to finish is the fact that, you know, you did have 11 draft picks. And let's just go back to Poles and Eberflus's previous organizations, the Colts and Chiefs. I mean, those are two teams that would traditionally just kind of load up on picks, especially on day two and three and kind of, just go ahead and take constantly swings and so or constant swings. And so ultimately I think the point needs to be made here is just the fact that this was all about for the bears continuing to establish that entire concept and aspect of just homegrown talent, you know, in terms of just having players that you draft and develop year in and year out, that will ultimately kind of be here in the long run. And let's just be honest about something. I mean, the Bears have been one of the worst teams in the NFL traditionally when it comes to homegrown talent. It's like you look at the Ryan Pace era and how many of those players reached the second contract, especially some of the guys that were incredibly high draft picks. Leonard Floyd didn't get it. Um, Mitch Trubisky didn't get it. Kevin White was injured. Then you had, uh, you know, Roquan Smith's really the only one. Justin Fields, okay, well, Roquan's going to get a second contract eventually. Justin Fields is the only one. And then there's the other half of this entire argument, which is just the fact that, you know, this lack of homegrown talent has just really hurt the Bears because it's forced the franchise to go and spend heavy in free agency. And it's like the reality of the situation is that spending in free agency doesn't equate to building a winner in the NFL. So this was, I think, a bit of a breath of fresh air for the bears. I know Joe might want to chime in here. Yeah, it was definitely, I like that you kind of put it while there. It's a, it's a breath of fresh air. I I think that we saw with pace is that he'd reach for players. He thought were the most important to grab right away. And again, we, we saw him reach for Trubisky. We saw him reach for guys like Anthony Miller, Adam Shaheen, guys like that. Poles let the draft come to him and he made picks off of that on best player available, sticking to his guns. And I, I like the way, like you said, perfectly put, it was a breath of fresh air. I loved it. Yeah, it really was, you know, and just now I think we have to ask ourselves an important question. And I'm going to kick the can to Sam here because he got the Kyler Gordon pick, right? But were you guys surprised at all with the way that the Bears operated in round two? Because going into the offseason, you know, I looked at cornerback and I said, okay, absolutely, it's a need. I think that the priority needs to be the offensive line. But if they go one defensive position in round two, it's going to be cornerback. And I would not be mad with cornerback because, again, you can't rely on as much as I love Thomas Graham Jr., I just think he's better suited to play in the slot. You look at a guy like Kendall Vildor, Duke Shelley, those guys aren't the future. You can't really bank on Kayvon Young's injuries at all. And then the rest of the bodies that they have at cornerback are all just camp and mini camp bodies. So I think going with Kyler Gordon gives you two legitimate starters. The Jaquan Brisker pick, I understand, because you are getting incredibly athletic, fast, strong, rangy safety who plays physically, can play up in the box, can play 15 to 20 yards behind the line of scrimmage is a perfect compliment to Eddie Jackson but I think that that's still a pick right there that you look at and say okay did the Bears really need a safety in round two 
I was really surprised. Um, I kind of got to the day two draft picks late. Um, I was playing a lacrosse game, so I was very much kind of reacting and got to Twitter, and it was like fire had been spewed everywhere. There was good takes and bad. I didn't know what was going on. Um, it, it looked like the Bears had done something miserable. Um, so I was surprised they prioritized secondary early only because I personally wanted them to prioritize offense early. But as we've talked about on the show, and as I've mentioned before, and I'm, I'm not the only one who's mentioned this, um, if a good position, you know, if a good corner like Kyler Gordon were to fall to 39, he was one of those guys that I wanted the Bears to jump on right away. Safety was another positional group that, yeah, I wanted the Bears to draft a safety. I didn't want them to use a second round pick potentially on a safety, but, you know, maybe you trade back into the fourth, maybe you take one in the third. It's another position positional need that the Bears had to address. I guess it was just surprising because I really expected Ryan Poles to go offensive line early. I expected him to go wide receiver early, but expectations aren't always met. I mean, we really didn't know what Ryan Poles was going to do until the draft happened. And I, I like the idea. Someone brought this up on Twitter. I, I wish I knew who it was so I could give them credit. The Bears scheme in 2021 for the offense was miserable. I think we could all agree to that. What Matt Nagy did to the offense was sad to watch at times. The idea that improving the Bears' offensive scheme, even if the talent isn't necessarily as high as some other teams, will therefore lead to improvement on offense. I can agree with that, and I think it's going to be exciting to see what Luke Getzky is going to do with this Bears' offensive scheme, with the talent that he does have with guys like David Montgomery, like Darnell Mooney. And I think Gordon and Brisker bring another side to the defensive side of the ball where the Bears' secondary was awful last year. I, I don't think there's anything to say about that. There were moments. There was there was times where it was good. As a whole, it was bad. Gordon and Brisker are going to be long-term pieces on this Bears defense, in my opinion. You're coming into a 2023 offseason next year where you have $117 million in cap space, something crazy like that. Almost every single one of your draft picks, with the exception of a 2023 six-round pick, which like whatever, it's not the worst case in the world. But you have your first round pick, you have your second round pick, you have your third round pick. Getting two quality starters in the secondary, as well as Jalen Johnson being there again for another year, now you're able to really prioritize offense in 2023. And that's exciting. And I think that's part of the mindset of why you try to bring in all these different minded people on the offense, work with what you have. Don't worry about investing too much draft capital into it. I'm excited to watch these two players play. Would I have preferred that we had prioritized offense? Absolutely. But again, both the guys that they got in the second round, I think are going to be day one starters. And, and I think that's an exciting potential there in terms of the Bears secondary. Yeah, I think the way that I reacted, because I was watching live at my house when I was watching round two, and I saw Kyler Gordon get picked, and I was like, okay, great. Now let's trade back or let's grab an offensive player. And then I saw Jaquan Brisker, and my gut reaction was like, why are we doing this? We literally just – there's wide receivers on the board right now. They can, we can trade back even if we didn't want wide receiver right now at the spot. We could have traded back and taken a wide receiver. We could have gotten Alec Pierce or George Pickens, any of those guys. And then after settling in a little bit, it kind of came to me. I was like, okay, you know what? We now have our secondary locked up for, like you said, Sam, the next five years at the very least, basically. Eddie Jackson is the oldest guy in our secondary right now at the age of 28. Everybody else, I mean, Jalen Johnson now is about to be only a third-year player. Kyler Gordon and Jalen Johnson are going to be and can be one of the best corner duos in the NFL in a few years. I, I truly believe that. Jalen Johnson has that upside already. I think Kyler Gordon has the 
the natural twitch and the natural just man in zone coverage to be one of those top guys. And now you have, like I said, a, a few days ago to Jaquan Brisker in my, in my eyes is basically a younger, more athletic, faster, and just overall better prospect than Adrian Amos was coming out. And you're now pairing Eddie Jackson with the one safety, basically, but better that made him the best, one of the best safeties in the NFL. So now our secondary essentially, which as new analysts are starting to come out, secondary is more important than rushing the passer because coverage sacks come more often than an edge rusher winning one-on-one. You can scheme against an edge rusher. It's harder to scheme and stop an elite secondary. So now that we have this elite secondary on top of already having a good front seven, our defense is going to be really hard to stop, especially Matt Eberflus, who has had, who has done a lot more with a lot less talent. Now, again, I am surprised because I really thought that with what polls was saying, that we were going to trade back early in the second, that we were going to get more picks early. And even when we went to the third round, I was like, okay, polls absolutely lied to us. We're not trading back at all. Spoilers. We traded back a lot day three, but with those first three picks, I was like, are we doing with Ryan pace again? Like, so I was pretty kind of blown away by that aspect, but in the players themselves, looking back, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it look, it's definitely something, right? That um I look at and I say, okay, what exactly was going on here? You know, I was a bit surprised with the way the Bears kind of went ahead and operated in round two because the Kyler Gordon pick, like I said a couple minutes ago, I totally understand. But what bothers me about the way the Bears operated in round two is that Ryan Poles basically alluded to the fact that they didn't feel like the value was there for certain players when in reality, kind of what happened is just the fact that right after Brisker gets picked, three wide receivers went off the board. And really, I think if you look at this draft in general, I mean, everyone expected the first round to play out how everyone expected the first round to play out. Aside from a couple of the trades here and there, I mean, all the players that were ranked as first round wide receivers went in round one. Obviously, you know, guys like Zion Johnson, Kenyon Green, Tyler Linderbaum, even Cole Strange, players that all three of us were high on that we thought would be available in round two, just were overdrafted and just drafted in round one. And so ultimately, you know, that kind of led to why the Bears operated the way they did. But also I think that when you look at the team in general, I think what needs to happen is just the fact that, you know, these do now next off season is not necessarily going to have to fully be about defense. I mean, it's a pass happy league. So I understand why the bears made these moves, but then ultimately, you know, with 11 draft picks in the most since, Oh wait, it does lead to a question. Who's a draft pick. You love who's a draft pick. You hate. You want me to go first Joe? Cause I, I got, I'm, I might get criticized by a lot of people on Twitter for my player. I don't like, um, but I'll start with the player that I love. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, the bears drafted four offensive linemen, um, it was a priority on day three. Uh, their first pick on day three, uh, Braxton Jones out of, um, I'm going to totally forget the school, uh, Southern Utah. I think I got that right. If I'm wrong, I'm sorry. If that was somebody's, by the way, I'm sorry, but not sorry. Um, Three-year starter, first team all FCS this past two seasons. Absolutely dominant run blocker. Super, super solid prospect. Love the potential he has at left tackle. Um, I know a lot of the kind of recent buzz around the draft has been talking about RAS scores. I- I'm a fan of it. I think it's great to discuss. I think it was something that polls prioritized. Uh, his was an 8.44, which is pretty solid. 
pretty notable areas was his speed and his long arms. I think he's got like 33 and a half inch arms, which is insane. Um, and please correct me if I'm wrong, if you guys know. Um, stuff that I really liked about him, uh, his hand control. Um, I, I really liked how he positioned his hands. Uh, looks really controlled and poised in blocking techniques. Very, very raw in terms of pass blocking. I, I think there's definitely work there, but if the Bears are going to prioritize more of a run-heavy kind of scheme and zone running, I, I, I think Braxton Jones has the potential to really shine as potentially a rotational piece, a swing tackle. I, I'm not going to say like, oh, he has the chance to be the starting left tackle, but like, why not? I mean, he's got all the athletic pedigree for it. Um, I, I was really a big fan of this pick. Um the player that I, I'm not going to say hate because I think hate's a strong word here. A player that I didn't love, uh, Vilas Jones Jr. at 71. Um, it's not the the player itself. I, I think Jones brings a lot of really positive qualities. He's a great gadget player. Uh, something that I think is not discussed enough was that he's really good at blocking. I, I think that's a rare skill to find in the NFL as guys willing to block. Um, I, I think he's an absolute monster with yards after catch, which is good. The Bears need that. He's not a great route runner. And I know he's got some speed. Uh, obviously, I know the age thing is a concern, but it's not a huge concern on my end. I, I just think there was, you know, I think there's room to improve. And, and I think if we're talking about Vilas Jones Jr. in round four or later in round three, I don't think I have much of an issue here. But like the round three running backs that were taken this year was Vilas Jones Jr., David Bell, Jalen Tobert, and Danny Gray. I'm probably taking any of those three guys over Jones. Now, I, I, the reason why I don't say hate here is because I, I think he's still a solid player. I think I like the potential he has in Luke Getzky's offense as kind of that scheme gadgety player. I know some people have been comparing him to like a Debo Samuel type. I, I don't think there's any comparison. Debo Samuel is a unicorn in this league, but I understand what they're saying. Kind of that player that goes in the backfield, runs different routes, does different things. Uh, there's definitely potential, and, and we'll see once training camp. I'm ready to eat my words and be wrong about him, but... I just think there was better running, or excuse me, better receivers available in round three. I, I think the age is a little bit of a concern. I don't think he's that great of a route runner. I just think like there's a lot of NFL caliber things that I don't think he's ready for. Um, I'm ready to be wrong about him. I hope I'm wrong about him. Uh, we'll see once training camp starts. But that's the pick that if I had to pick one, I, I was not a huge fan of in this draft class. Yeah, so I, I actually well, I guess I'll have to kind of copy you a little bit. I won't go into too much detail because you kind of hit on everything, but I'll go with my hate then first because Vilas Jones, again, I don't hate the player. I had him basically in every single one of my mock drafts just two rounds later, and I, I think it was a massive reach. And I thought that was the one time in the entire draft that we saw polls kind of reach for the guy that he wanted. And again, it seemed like when you're watching the videos of the coaches and him talking to Velas Jones, like after the pick, it seems like they really truly believe he's going to be an immediate impact on this team. And I truly think like they needed a gadget wide receiver regardless. Like Mooney, yeah, he's fast, he's athletic. But they don't have a gadget guy anymore. They lost to Kim Grant, they lost to Rick Cohen. I still think they need an X though. And I think that Velas Jones doesn't have the ceiling of a guy like Jalen Tolbert or a guy like David Bell to be a starting X wide receiver to get a thousand receivers. I don't think. Don't think Vilas has the upside, but I will go to the player I love then. Um, I'm going to stick kind of with you, Sam, with offensive line as well. Zachary Thomas, um, another guy we got basically right after. It was after another trade back. Um, it was right. We took um, 
we took your guy Braxton Jones, then we took Dominique Robinson, then we went back to offensive line, took Zachary Thomas. Zachary's kind of similar to Braxton Jones, that he's a very, very good athlete, but he was playing uh, right tackle in college mainly, and he's been moving to guard just due to size. I mean, he's only 6'4", so he's not really built to be um, a tackle, but he does have the upside of a guard. His relative athletic score, like we talked about how important that is to us, uh, was an 8.97, and in terms of his like speed and his agility, off the charts. Like his his speed it, for RAS was nine point seven eight, and his splits were also super high with nine point seven eight, nine point nine seven as well. A uh, very good agility score as well. And in terms of just him himself, he's a very sticky blocker. When he gets on somebody, he doesn't let go. He's very good at repositioning his hands to get guys engaged and to keep them in their blocks. And he has a lot of potential in the run game. I think he truly can compete if they bring in a guy like um the guy i can't remember um Herbig from the eagles who's likely getting cut if they bring him in zachary thomas is a true chance to actually battle this guy for a starting job possibly beat him out if he can transition fast enough to guard and he needs to put on a little more size he's not big but again as poles and earflux are saying they like their guys a little smaller and faster zachary thomas fits that kind of that fits fits that to a t he's kind of undersized but he's extremely athletic he has a ton of potential. I think him moving to guard, again, the Packers do it all the time with a lot of their draft picks. They'll draft a seventh and a sixth-round tackle, and they'll move them into guard because they had that. The only reason they weren't drafted higher was because they didn't have the length or the size to be a tackle, and they're trying to play tackle. Same thing with Zach Thomas. He has that. He has not like super long arms, not super short arms, but he's not tall enough to play tackle, so he's going to kick inside to guard, and he could easily be maybe not a starter this year, but a long-term starter for the Bears at guard, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that, you know, there's so much that goes into this. As I tweeted that Old Dominion cornerback Roger Craze accepted an invite to Bears rookie minicamp per his agency, whose guys were supposed to be on this show. But look, kind of getting back to the point here, I think it's real important to know and understand that, you know, for me, there was a lot that went on in this draft, you know, and I think that my favorite pick by far is actually going to be the sixth round pick number 203 running back Tristan Ebner from Baylor. I mean, look, I think at worst he's going to be a player that is a return specialist, but he's not as elusive or I should even say as athletic or as slippery or even as fast as a guy like a Tariq Cohen. But I think that he does fit what this offense is just looking for in terms of a player that can play multiple positions. You know, he can line up in the backfield as a running back. He can play as a wide receiver in the slot. You can kind of have him, you know, run those arrows, run those flat routes. He can be kind of that short yardage check down back that, you know, Justin Fields may be looking for to kind of get out of trouble. And with Ebner, I think that the big thing to understand is that he played four positions in high school. He played, I believe, wide receiver quarterback defensive line and then I think linebacker or tight end was the fourth one so there's a really nice arsenal there in terms of just what he's able to kind of bring to the table and you know you guys mentioned the Vilas Jones pick like I'm not gonna say I love the Vilas Jones pick I don't hate the Vilas Jones pick either I think that for a lot of Bears fans if you were to make a top five of wide receivers that this team wanted obviously it would be Christian Watkins I'm sorry, Christian Watson, that would be at the very top. And then would be guys like George Pickens, John Mechie, Alec Pierce, Sky Moore in no particular order. I think that David Bell throughout the earlier parts of the draft season was certainly a name that a lot of fans kind of had their eyes set on. Again, David Bell was on the board when 
the Bears picked at 71 overall. But again, it just kind of showed that Ryan Poles was not willing to pull the trigger on David Bell. So you better hope that Vilas Jones Jr. pans out. But in terms of the one pick that I hate, you know, it's tough because some of these guys, obviously, you hope they go ahead and succeed. But I think the one guy I don't necessarily like the most, and I know this is just me picking on a player to pick on him, but it would be Trenton Gill in the seventh round. And the reason being is this is because you have Ryan Winslow on the roster already. I think that the ideal pick should have been punt god Matt Ariza from, I believe it's Arizona State or San Diego State University. But um, I, I think, you know, for me, the Trenton Gill pick just does not sit well with me because why would you kind of trade back all those times and then opt to go ahead and even select a punter? with Ryan Winslow on the roster. Like I said, I'm pretty sure Gill would have been available in undrafted free agency. I would have gone ahead and, you know, use that exact same pick on another wide receiver or possibly another running back. I would have even at that point been okay with taking a flyer on a quarterback. So, you know, I love Ebner, but I'm not loving the Gill pick just because I think drafting a punter or kicker is a waste of time. Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing I will say is, like, the Bears did cut, 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 cut their punter. I cannot speak today to save my life. The Bears cut their punter, and I think that, ultimately, you're so late in the seventh round. Like, it, it, it's, yeah, you could take a shot at a, a, a day three quarterback who may not even make the roster, or you may take a shot at, like, another athletic player, but, like, I don't know. I mean, why not? This kid clearly has a decent leg. I, I don't know much about him. I, I didn't really, I don't really do a lot of draft research on punters, so I, I guess it's probably a fair pick. Um, I, I think one common thing, though, is um, I, I think there's a lot of positive things to say about this offensive line class as a whole, and I, I think ultimately, like, and I'm going to talk about it a little bit more later in the show, so I don't want to say anything right now, but like, if two of these guys can contribute right away in some roles, I think this is a success, successful. Bears class, in my opinion, um, I I think you can always take a running back every single year. So I'm glad the Bears did. I, I do agree with you. I think Ebner is a kind of just like Swiss Army knife sort of position, or in terms of a guy can do a lot, return kicks. I, I could see him potentially being moved into the slot and playing a little bit wide receiver. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, but yeah, I, I think if you had to pick another player outside of Elias Jones Jr., it would probably be Gill, just because I think like ultimately. It's not hate the player, it's hate the pick. Hate what the Bears decided to do with that pick. Hate what player they took at that pick. I, I think it's more up to that. I think, again, there's a lot of upside with a lot of these guys. I think that was the goal of this draft class is getting high upside athletic players. But, yeah, I mean, you can kind of pick on the punter here a little bit. I think that's fair. Punters are people, too. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, but, I know they're people, but, too. But, hey, but... Trenton Gill did average more average yards per punt than Jordan Stout, who was the first punter taken in the entire NFL draft. So I think that's value. Three rounds later, and again, I, I know you mentioned that, you yeah, you could have had him as a priority free agent, but then you're competing with 31 other teams to try and get this guy or any other team that wants to sign a punter. Why, why would he want to come to Chicago? To be fair, he would come to Chicago because we're probably going to punt about 15 times a game at least, so he's going to get some action here. Uh, but I do think he's a solid punter. His accuracy isn't incredible, but he has a very strong leg. He nothing like punk God, but I mean, you're getting this guy three rounds later, and we do have Ryan Winslow, but he hasn't played much in the NFL. He's not. He's no good punter by any means. So I don't know. Again, it's kind of hard to say who you hate because 
overall, the draft is pretty solid. Like we said, and Vilas Jones is kind of the easy pick. So I respect picking somebody else. Yeah, I definitely know and understand that picking someone else matters. But um, I think ultimately, you know, now this brings up the question of was there anything that we didn't expect in this draft that surprised us? And I would say, like, I did not expect Ryan Poles to go into this and come out with only one wide receiver. I know that people are talking about all the wide receivers that the Bears brought in via undrafted free agency. I know that there was some discussion regarding, well, there's going to be a couple you know, free agents like a Jarvis Landry, like an Odell Beckham, Albert Rolson still out there, who I personally think is a strong candidate just because of his connection to Ryan Poles from their days in Kansas City. But, you know, what matters to me, I think, is this, is that I understand, you know, the four chances you took on the offensive lineman. I understand why you love Dominique Robinson, the edge from Miami, Ohio. But then you look at, like, the Elijah Hicks pick. Okay, and then the Trenton Gill pick too. You could argue this that those two seventh rounders could have been used to bring in kind of any wide receiver. Because I think at this point, if you're the Bears with the wide receiver position, and I'll hand it off to Sam here in just a moment, but if you're the Bears with the wide receiver position, I'm not asking for, you know, a couple thousand yard seasons from Mooney and Byron Pringle, obviously all that would be great. But I think what you're just trying to do is figure out what you have with the players that are already on the roster, but then also figure out, are there any of these players that, you know, we could bring in as undrafted free agents that are not necessarily seasoned pros at all, just rookies that are first starting out that could possibly be part of a long-term future here. And I like to kind of think of Cam Meredith as being an example. He was an undrafted free agent, Illinois State Redbird, played quarterback, obviously, and then transitioned over a wide receiver. And let's be honest, like, was Cam ever a top-tier player? Absolutely not. But he was good enough, and there was a point where the arrow was slowly pointing up for him, and that you could have definitely seen him being a really good two or a three. And so I think that's what the Bears need to do. So I'm actually real surprised the Bears came out of this with just the one receiver. I think, again, I talked about it a little bit earlier. Going back-to-back uh, secondary in the second round was a little bit uh, surprising to me. Um, I didn't expect that. I think at most I would have thought they would have gone like corner wide receiver or corner interior offensive line. Um, I think taking four offensive linemen was a little bit surprising. I, I just think, again, I mean, I, to be honest, the most shocking thing was just continuing to trade back. I mean, I literally was waiting there every single pick. Like, are we going to actually take someone? Or are we going to get every single draft pick in the seventh and sixth round? Which I think if Ryan pulls, if someone didn't stop him, he may have tried to do that. Um, and have a 50-man draft class. Um, I mean, again, I, I think there's a lot of picks that are surprising. Um, I, I, I think once you get to like the late 6th, early 7th round, though, I mean, you're really just taking shot at players at this point, um, trying to just get guys who may just be more like long-term project players. So I, I think, again... Four offensive linemen was a little surprising to me. I already talked about it a little bit, so I'm going to pass this off to Joe. But but taking two secondary pieces in the second round, pretty surprising in my opinion just because I didn't expect that from polls. Not saying it's necessarily a bad or good move, but like I was definitely surprised when the Bears did that. All of your points are ones I was very surprised about, especially the, the four offensive linemen. I mean, I would do mock draft simulators myself, and I'd be like, yeah, maybe we'll trade back once and – 
take an extra offensive line with the extra pick. That's about it. Um, and and I know like I've done mock drafts before. I'm like, oh, it's so unrealistic. Like I traded back like four times and got a ton of picks. Well, yeah, Ryan Poles kind of did that. He turned three picks into eight in four trades. Like if if you would have told me that, like especially following the like the first three picks, if you would have told me that after those first three picks, yeah. By the way, we're gonna have eight more picks after this. I would have been like, yeah, that's funny. Like literally impossible. We only have three more picks left, and Bulls did it. I mean that that was kind of my biggest surprise. Like I didn't, I expected like a trade back or two, but it just kept happening. Like you said, Sam. Like I I was uh I was at a bags tournament visiting my sister at her school and just swiping on my phone, and every five seconds. Bears are traded back. Bears are traded back. And I was like, I was like trying to check in between games, like every five seconds, like trying to see, like, have they finally picked somebody yet? Like, or am I finally gonna be able to tweet something? Like, but yeah, it was like it was so surprising that like the kind of combination of them trading back that much and them kept taking shots at offensive line, which again, absolutely love. We'll get into this more like as we go throughout the kind of summer, but continually taking those shots, hoping, basically hoping that one or two sticks and trading back was just so surprising to me. I loved it, though. Yeah, I mean, you know, I love the idea of just constantly being able to go ahead and consistently take shots. And for the full breakdown, check out our YouTube channel. Max Smith and I are on there just kind of giving our instant reactions pick by pick, which is like a 35 to 45 minute video. But now I think, you know, you have kind of 11 players on the roster that you hope all 11 aren't going to play out their contracts, but you certainly hope that a handful of them do go on to be successful. But I think we have to ask is how does this draft set the stage for the bears moving forward? Cause I mean, when you look at it, you're going to see a number of offensive line combinations. Like we already saw stuff coming out of the voluntary workouts at Alice all before the draft where it was all about just guys like Tevin Jenkins, Sam Mustafa, Larry Bohr moving all over the offensive line. And now you add even more versatility but even more bodies to that group in general and you know i think that one of the major things to watch for in training camp would be all these offensive line combinations that bears are using i don't think that this offensive line group is even necessarily fully done being remade at this point i still think the bears are going to be in the market looking for some sort of veteran help obviously Try Turner, right, is not an option anymore. But JC Treader's a name that's out there who I think could mesh very well with Luke Getze. Um, you look at the receiver position, there's a couple of bodies out there too. But I just think that this draft class was all about seeing what Poles and Eberflus are trying to do. And, you know, I said this a couple days ago when the draft had kind of ended, but I said, I'm like, if you thought Ryan Poles wheeling and dealing with all these mid round picks was tiring which again it was because when you're there and you're just expecting them to make the pick to write the article all they do is trade down i don't know what's going to happen when this team is a first round pick next year you know that's truly going to be interesting to see because i could definitely see a situation where unless it's an incredibly high pick like a top three or a top five ryan poles trades back and says yeah you know a guy like jackson smith and the jigba from ohio state's great but there's that lsu wide receiver that we're looking at so the point i think is the fact that this really set this nfl draft really continues to set the bears up for just you know wheeling and dealing in the nfl draft moving forward because the bears want two things they want 10, 11, 12 draft picks, but they also want to be able to draft and develop talent and build a roster off homegrown talent. 
I think when we talk about uh, the Spares draft class and, and the outlook of it, kind of what, what to expect, I rope in the 2020 and the 2021 draft classes because you have guys from both those draft classes who not only contribute but are critical in this year's roster, right? 2020, Cole Komet, huge third year for him. This is kind of almost a make it, break it a little bit for him. Uh, Travis Gibson, everyone's kind of starting to put eyes on him, productive 2021 season. Is he going to put all the pieces together in a larger role in the defense this year? Um, Darnell Mooney, we know about Darnell Mooney. We don't need to talk about Darnell Mooney anymore. 2021 draft class, you know, you talk about the potential of Thomas Graham Jr., Khalil Herbert, uh, Tevin Jenkins. Is he going to is he going to be the long-term option at the right or left tackle spot? What's going to happen with Larry Borum? Do the Bears believe in Larry Borum, right? There's a lot of questions with that draft class. I think this roster is going to see a huge overhaul next year. I think there's going to be a lot of names that we know that are going to be gone. I think there's going to be a lot of new names coming into Hallis Hall in 2023. When you talk about forming your roster, building your foundation, like you said, mentioned earlier on in the show, having young bodies on the team on cheap contracts, not going against the cap, and, and having the potential to maybe have a couple of these guys be those gems in the rough that that analysts love to talk about all the time. That's exciting. That's the that's the potential with all these upside athletes. And I think ultimately, you have to fill, fill roster spots the next couple of years. You have a lot of guys who are going to be on you know rookie deals the next couple of years who can fill roster spots. Do I think half this draft class may not even be on this team in three to four years? Yeah, absolutely. There's no guarantee. That's it's why the NFL draft is the NFL draft. You never know who's going to be around, who's going to be a star, and who's going to be a dud. So when I look at this 2022 draft class compared to the last few years, the last few years we're drafting based a lot on need, finding guys who can fulfill critical parts on the roster, right? Justin Fields, that was a pick that the Bears needed to make to get a quarterback long-term. Cole Komet, I mentioned him earlier. I'm not going to keep listing names. This draft class, in my opinion, to set the stage for the Bears moving forward is building a foundation, having options at a lot of positions, and having a lot of young, cheap talent. And I think that alone should get Bears fans excited for the future. You kind of hit on everything I really want to talk about, so there's not a whole lot for me to add. But, no, it's literally perfectly put. Like, moving forward, I kind of alluded to it earlier when I was talking about this class, they kind of set the stage of we're building our foundation on athletes and just absolute beasts, like dudes that just want to grind and work hard. Like we saw the video of that safety we drafted in the seventh round. Like he literally just started doing push-ups in the middle of like when he was saying like bear down, basically like, like he just wants to go to work. And we, we see with all our guys, like even like we see undersized Doug Kramer, who we drafted, when you watch him play, he is always looking for action. He's a beast of an athlete. He's basically just a more athletic Sam Mustafer. And he's he's just as smart as Mustafer with a lot of experience, but a lot, a lot more athletic. And it's it's kind of showing that you need to be a type of guy that you can't be slow, you can't be you can't just be sluggish. You you need to be a guy who is there putting in the work every single play, every down, and you need to back that up with your physical traits as well. And like you guys were both saying too, we're going to see a lot of turnover here soon. And they're going to be bringing in free agents that kind of fit that, fit that bill as well. They're going to be putting in a lot of draft picks next year too, that are also going to fit that bill. And they're going to build that foundation of young players on rookie contracts that all are just going to be athletes and just tough dudes. Simply put. 
All right. Well, okay. So I have to ask you guys this question. I mean, because as long as we've been doing this, covering the Bears, and obviously all three of us went back and forth on Twitter before this podcast fully came to fruition. But, you know, 11 total picks, guys. I mean, give me a number of how many the Bears need to hit on here for this to be a successful draft class. Now, I think just going pick by pick, you know, I think you're going to hit on two at least in Gordon and Brisker. But then I also look at the rest of the list. I think Vilas Shown Jr. is an intriguing case study because I'm not so sure the Bears are going to go ahead and get enough production out of a guy like a Vilas Shown Jr. But I would overall say this. I think that if, you know, four of these four or five of 11 of these draft picks end up being solid starters, okay, and, you know, I think Gordon and Brisker are going to be your elite starters. Vilas Jones and a guy like Doug Kramer are going to be your solid starters. And then I'll throw in Ebner there, too, as your fifth solid starter slash role player. And then the rest of them are just, you know, easy depth pieces or just solid depth or even just average starters. I would consider it a successful draft class. Oh, Joe, you want to take this one first? Yeah, I'll go first. Um I think it's hard to say, like like you were kind of saying, you said, it's hard to say what, what qualifies as a hit for each of these players. When, when you talk about six and seven round picks, a hit on those is basically just a guy who's going to be on the roster basically in the next four years, I would say. And I think if you kind of take that into account, like, again, let's say the expectation is kind of low, but how many six and seven round picks are still here on the Bears that we drafted a few years ago? Not a lot. Like, again, you... you you see some fifth round picks like Darnell Mooney, Travis Gibson, stuff like that. But like, how much longer is Duke Shelley going to be here for? Like, how how much longer are these other? I don't. I can't even like just off the top of my head like other sixth and seventh round picks that we've had. I mean, I can't tell you how many wide receivers we drafted in the seventh and sixth round that had didn't last more than two years. And I think that for for that to kind of be the case, going kind of player by player, like you said, was saying, I think you're getting two guaranteed good to high-end starters in both your first two picks. I think Vilas Jones is an immediate impact at wide receiver and could be a good option for the future. And again, he's never going to be a 1,000-yard receiver probably, but he's going to be a guy who can possibly return and can be a gadget type of guy that's going to keep the defense honest. And after that, I think if you get basically one or two long-term starters out of the rest of those, excluding punter, because you kind of expect him to be when you draft a punter, but... If you get one or two long-term starters, one of those offensive linemen, maybe a Dominique Robinson as well, I think it's a very successful draft. I, I think when you take six or, yeah, I believe it was six or five, I can't remember how many, um, day th- like six and seventh round picks, you don't expect a lot of them to hit. And when, when you get one or two or three starters out of that, I think it's a very successful day three overall. I mean... You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Ryan Poles took a lot of shots on day three. Um, ultimately, not really a whole lot else to add. My my thoughts and considering this a successful NFL class uh, draft class is I think all three of your day two picks need to be able to play, whether that's in a starting role or in a contributing role. I, I think those are your three guys that you're expecting to contribute. Um I think if you are going to draft a punter, he should probably be able to be your starting punter. Um, that's just my opinion on that. If we're going to have a rookie punter, let's see what he can do. And I think if one of the two of these day three offensive linemen can contribute or start, 
then I think this is a W. I think this is a huge success for the Bears. Um, my eyes are on guys like Braxton Jones, who I mentioned earlier. Uh, I like Jatire Carter from Southern University as well. Uh, I think he's a, a sleeper in that seventh round, a guy that, that has a lot of really high upside and could potentially compete for the right guard spot. Not going to get my hopes up too high, but like his upside. Uh, if you can get half of this draft class to be in a contributing role in the next few years and the majority of them are still on the roster in 2024 2025 yeah this is a successful draft class 100 percent. yeah i mean I, I think you know it's just all about hitting on more of the late round picks and i would even say the high picks because those high picks you expect to be integral parts of your roster anyway and just players in general that would succeed now kind of moving on to our final topic here i mean it was technically the end of an era with the bears releasing nick Foles on saturday night obviously the team clearly tried to trade nick Foles away but there weren't necessarily any takers now i think it does lead to an intriguing question because and I'll let Joe go first here just because he feels so strongly about Nick Foles and Matt Nagy, obviously, more so Matt Nagy. But I bring Nick Foles up, guys, specifically because I think when you look at this draft class, right, and you look at the state of the Bears roster, okay, cool, they brought in Ryan Willis and Trevor Simeon this offseason. You know, kind of some familiarity with the coaching staff. But one thing that Nick Foles has that no other quarterback in the world has right now outside of Andy Dalton that has started extensively in the NFL is just that extensive relationship with Justin Fields. So it does bring up a question. Hey, you know, could Nick Foles have kind of stuck on the roster for another year despite his giant cap hit and just kind of helped and mentored Fields in terms of learning a new offense? Or did the Bears go ahead and make the right move and do right by Nick Foles and basically say, hey, we don't have a spot for you here. We've made it clear we don't have a spot for you and we're just ready to move on from you. So here's your release. I think they did right by releasing Foles and in, in multiple ways. For one, I really don't think he was the mentor to Fields. I think it, in terms of last year when you saw the way the way the quarterbacks interact with Fields on the sidelines, I think that was Dalton. I mean, you, I remember seeing Fields had a really good touchdown pass in the preseason, and and Dalton went crazy on the sideline. He was the first to hug him on the sideline. Like, seemed like Dalton was more that guy for him. Um, and then also just the fact of like. When it comes to Nick Foles, like mentoring Fields, he, he was mentoring Fields in the Nagy offense, and that's kind of the offense he has always been successful in. He has no idea what guess his offense is, and there's not a whole lot to help there except for you know except for in-game experience, which you can get from basically Trevor Simeon anyway. Like the only difference is Nick Foles has a Super Bowl and has played a little more, but like, is that really going to affect that much? Like, it just didn't seem like he was really that much, that mentor guy to him that's going to affect that much. Um. And then kind of finally, it's good for Nick Foles. Like, obviously, he didn't want to be here. He wanted to get his chance to play somewhere else. So let him have it. And, again, trying to get picks for him, sure, that's fine. But, again, the cap it this year sucks. But there's no money on the on the books next year now that we cut him. And let him get a chance to play. Like, if, if he truly believes he can start somewhere, get some playing time somewhere, and fits better somewhere else, let him do it. Why not? I, I definitely think it's just the way to treat. Like it just that's kind of the the way that polls is kind of operating this offseason. You know, thanking agents for when he signs players, like just the the professionalism that he shows. It 
kind of shows this with releasing Nick Foles. Like, hey, man, you don't want to be here. You really aren't going to play here, but let's let you go get a chance somewhere else. I, I think it just did him right. Yeah, you don't pay mentors $8 million with $4 million signing bonuses that absolutely eat away at your cap uh, space. Um, I think when Nick Foles was brought in, that was never the goal. Nick Foles was brought in because Ryan Pace needed to make a move in a year where he couldn't admit that, hey, Mitch Trubisky may or may not be the guy. And I think it it's not a reason to keep him around any longer. I think his time in Chicago has been done. I mean, I think what Nick Foles proved was that signing Andy Dalton to a $10 million contract was a mistake last year and one of the many reasons why Ryan Pace is no longer the general manager of the Chicago Bears. Um, but again, I, I think there's not really a whole lot else to add to what Joe said. This was a professional move by Poles. It allows, you know, Foles. That is, saying Poles and then going right to Foles, man, that is that is a mouthful. I, I don't know. I just need to say that before I continue. But um, I think this allows Foles the opportunity to go sign somewhere, whether that's as a, a veteran behind a second or third year quarterback. You know, I think Houston's a destination for him. I think there's a potential for reuniting in Jacksonville with Doug Peterson. Um, I think it also just gets his contract off the books. I mean, the Bears get $3 million back. That's great. It sucks to have almost $60 million in dead cap, but like, that's not Ryan Poles' fault. That's Ryan Pace's fault. I mean, Poles has to work with what he's got here, and I think getting some of that money off the books from from Nick Foles is the right call. Um, so I, I saw this move coming. I mean, as soon as they signed Trevor Simeon, uh, it all signs showed a Foles departure from Chicago. Uh, I I thought he was fine in his time here. I, I think you know again he is a Super Bowl MVP, and we have to give him credit for that. But I just don't think it ever worked out here. Um, so uh, I think this is the right call. Yeah, I think, you know, look, ultimately just looking at this entire team, looking at this entire team from start to finish, I think there's something to be said is that shipping Nick Foles off was just more so about continuing to rebuild the roster and reshape it, you know, and I'm not surprised at all that Nick Foles is on his way out because let's be honest, I mean, there were points last year you knew his time in Chicago was coming to an end quicker than expected. I mean, he was on the bench for pretty much 16 games last year, except that one Seattle game. And so ultimately, I think that this year and this time around, what kind of happened is the Bears did all they could to get another day three pick for Foles, even if it was something conditional. Nothing really came to fruition because Ryan Poles was not willing to eat that incredibly high salary and ship Nick Foles off. So ultimately, you know, what this I think just comes down to is right now, you know, there's an argument to be made that the Bears did the right thing, but there's also an argument to be made that just the experience and relationship, like I mentioned a couple minutes ago, he has with Justin Fields is guess what? Not something that other quarterbacks or even backups in the NFL can say. So are the Bears starting over? Yeah, 110% absolutely at the quarterback position. When I look at this team in general, I just think that I actually would have been fine with using one of the Bears' day three picks on one of the quarterbacks that was available. Obviously, you know, Malik Willis, Sam Howell, guys like uh, Kenny Pickett were never legitimate options for the Bears. Carson Strong was the one undrafted free agent. When he slipped, I was actually in support of the Bears going after him. So this is just, and then the Patriots took Bailey Zappi from Western Kentucky. But, you know, I would not have been mad had the Bears brought in another young quarterback because, I mean, 
I hate the fact that this team just has this revolving door at the QB position. It's not just the starters. Like the Bears haven't had a legitimate long-term backup in God knows how long. You know, I think that for Ryan Poles, who comes from that Kansas City tree, seeing the way that Patrick Mahomes has basically had Chad Henney as his backup forever and what Chad Henney's been able to do in such key moments such as Riley Chiefs, I just think that having stability at that position really goes a long way towards being able to go ahead and stabilize the entire quarterback room in general. So, you know, regarding Nick Foles, I mean, all the best to him. He obviously was not as good as certain Bears fans on Twitter hyped him up to be being a Super Bowl MVP, but not everything was entirely his fault. I think the one thing I'm going to, I'll add to that too, is like that offseason in 2020 was a nightmare. I mean, it was COVID. It, it was hard to like get guys in and like figure moves out. And, and again, I mean, the Bears didn't even really have like a true quarterback competition that year. That was a really big emphasis in camp stories and stuff. Um, uh, so again, I, I think Foles was kind of almost a little bit screwed right from the start. Um, I, I think too, like the Bears offense was just abysmal in 2020, even with Mitch or Foles playing. Um, and, and I think a large part of that was offensive guru, Matt Nagy. So I, I think ultimately, I think there's still, you know, I'm not as high on like having a good backup quarterback as you are you said but I do see your point like it does help especially when you have a guy like Chad Henney having stability there is nice but like I don't know I, I think I don't think Trevor Simeon's that good but it's nice to have a, a Northwestern guy as your backup quarterback and he has experience in the league and he should be a solid you know if he needed to play I think he could be in and, and, and kind of suit up and and step in as needed I don't think he's a long-term option there but again it's a backup quarterback spot i'm not as high on that position as as you may be but i do see your point it's nice to have some stability there and yeah i mean i think maybe if if that guy was potentially like a seventh round pick that that would be nice having two young quarterbacks on the roster but again i I think the thought is like the backup quarterback position doesn't matter as much if you have an absolute stud like justin fields yeah i think i like the idea of bringing a late round quarterback again i I kind of allude to the Ravens quarterback room when they had at one point uh, Lamar Jackson, RG3 before they cut him, and Tyler Huntley. I think the Bears could have had a nice little something like that here with uh, have Fields, obviously Simeon, and then I would have liked Chris Oladukin in the seventh round who got ended up getting drafted by the Steelers. Uh, good FCS quarterback, very good athlete, very strong arm, has the kind of Tracy, kind of like Huntley that he just has, just a very good athlete and a very good arm who just didn't have the kind of trace to translate to the NFL. But I think that would have been a solid pickup, too. I I, I agree with you. You said, why not take multiple shots? I know Pace said he was going to do it. He never did. So it would have been nice to see that. It's the most important position in football. Yep. You're right. It really is. I mean, again, you know, I, I remember one of the media members asking Ryan Pace that irrespective of Mitch Trubisky, I think it might have been after the 2020 season, but someone asked, hey, irrespective of Mitch, like you've been here five, six years now and 
you've never really drafted a quarterback. All your guys have kind of been players you've brought in via trade or free agency. So what's the whole deal with that? And I would just say this, that it's something that absolutely needs to change too. You know, like the Colts took, I believe, Sam Ellinger in the sixth round of the 2021 NFL draft. And look, no one, Sam Ellinger was, you know, a Texas Longhorn star. He was not a star in college football by any means. He's never going to be a star in the NFL. But I think just having him as a backup for Carson Wentz last season kind of made some sense because you knew what you were getting, but you also just knew that there was a young player that who had enough talent to step in and just be adequate enough. It's like the same thing with, I believe the bills who they didn't have a need for a backup quarterback with Matt Barkley, but they took Jake Fromm and I think 2020 anyway, just to add Jake Fromm to the roster. Cause let's be honest about Jake Fromm. I mean, he was never a player that was, a top tier QB by any means. Yes, there was some speculation going into the 2020 draft cycle. Hey, could Jake Fromm be a top quarterback in this class? Well, he was unseated by Burrow, Tua, Tagovailoa, Justin Herbert. But people did say, hey, Jake Fromm can be just a good point guard and a good game manager. So there is value to adding a young quarterback for a lot of these teams that are championship caliber. But anyways, that's going to do it from us. Make sure you're following us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Fireside Bears. You can follow myself and Sam on Twitter at Usaid Culture and at Shy Sports. Sam, follow the FCS football expert, Joseph Herf, on Twitter at Joseph Herf NFL. Check out the YouTube channel, guys, for instant reactions and pick-by-pick analysis. Max Smith and I dropped that video on Tuesday, so it's been out for about... 14 hours as you are listening to this also make sure that you are dropping a five-star rating as well as a really good review on this podcast we want to say the first year was all about building the foundation year two is going to be about so much growth and so much more we're gonna have lots of cool guests and off-season series for you guys here on the weekly show as well as on youtube but until then guys stay safe stay warm stay dry if you're in the chicagoland area this week because it's only been sunny once out of the last like 42 something days i believe and make sure that you bear down no matter what bear down bear down